Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. again everyone and welcome back to the front line with joe and joe joe Pasillo, as always joined by joe resinello and once more dear brothers and sisters let us go into the breach on the veritas catholic radio network 1350 on your am dial 103.9 on your fm dial spreading the truth of the catholic faith to the new york city metropolitan area as always we ask you to download the veritas catholic radio network mobile app more importantly share it with your friends that's of course if you like our content which we believe you do or else you wouldn't be listening um and you can find joe and i on social media at the front primarily at the frontline tv the frontline tv on youtube uh we'd ask you if you like what uh what we do to like subscribe share do all that fun stuff uh and today we are very pleased and honored to be joined by sister timothy marie kennedy and we are going to be discussing her new book unleashing hope but the biography of venerable maria luisa josepha of the most blessed sacrament this is going to be a great conversation because uh maria luisa josepha is a very interesting interesting person uh now this book is out from sophia press so we would encourage you after hearing the conversation to go on the website sophia institute press and buy the book let's support our catholic authors let's support our catholic publishers now some of you out there might uh, uh have heard of uh sister kennedy sister timothy marie kennedy however However, I'm going to give a brief introduction. Sister Timothy Marie Kennedy, OCD, is member of the Carmelite Sisters of the Most Sacred Heart of Los Angeles. And she was born and raised in Long Beach, California, the third of five children. She attended Mount St. Mary's College in Los Angeles and has a BA in English and an MS in Educational Administration. She has served in the Retreat and Education Ministries of the Carmelite Sisters as Retreat Directress and Vocation Directress, as well as teacher and principal in various schools. She currently resides at Casa Convent in Duarte, California. Sister Timothy Marie edited a, the two-volume In Love's Safekeeping, The Letters of Mother Luisita, and is the author of In the Face of Darkness, The Heroic Life and Holy Death of Mother Luisita, both of which are out at Sophia Institute Press. Sister Timothy Marie comes from a family of Irish writers and storyteller. Sister Timothy Marie Kennedy, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Well, I've been waiting for you. <laughs> I am very happy to be here. A little earlier over here, we're on California time. <laughs> I'm on your time too, sister. I'm on. Oh, I'm that's on right, time. Arizona. Uh, Arizona but, uh, doesn't change to daylight, though. We're daylight. Yes, yes, we we, we don't, which screws Joe and I up all the time because he's on the <laughs> East Coast when we're scheduling interviews. Yeah, we're uh, very so happy we're, to be here, mm-hmm. and we're we are very happy to have you. This is going to be a great conversation, so I'm going to hand it over to Joe Resinello. Sister, we always begin with the prayer. Would you lead us in a prayer? Sure. Um, In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in us all the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of this earth. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for that, sister. 
we I'll be honest. We we talked a, a little bit before the interview. I love Sister. She's got a, a great spirit. And and to be honest with you, this is going to be a fantastic conversation. Um, <laughs> Don't raise the bar too high. Don't no, raise the bar too be. high. I'll get I love it. I love it. <laughs> you remind me. I'll be honest with you. you. You remind me of someone from the East Coast. To be truth, truthfully, it must be like because I grew up with a lot of Irish guys and, and gals. I went to college. Yeah, well. You got you got that spirit. It's going to be great. Um, okay. <laughs> sister, tell us a little bit about the Carmelites, particularly what you guys do. Um, what's your charism? I know it's a little different because we have Carmelites in New Jersey, I believe in, in Morristown. Um, yes, I, you do. And also, I believe we've had uh, Father Justin Simonante from Westchester by Iona uh, College on the show as well. But tell us what you guys do. It's a little different. Well, let me tell you. Um passing through the whole history of how we were started. I want to talk just about the Carmelites. So Carmelite comes from Mount Carmel in Israel, right? And our spiritual heritage is from the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament. And if you remember, he's the one that did the spiritual battle. Yeah, with the prophets, the uh, prophets of the false god Baal. And um, he uh, he was very dynamic person, very dynamic. <laughs> after after he passed on, the brothers of the of the um, prophet, a new group came, and off and on for years they inhabited the caves up there in Mount Carmel. And over the centuries, then if we fast forward to uh, the twelve hundreds. Um, there were some men, some lay men from, I think, Italy, you two, <laughs> that wanted to rekindle the fire of the prophet Elijah in today's world. And they went, they moved, they gave up everything. They moved to Mount Carmel in Israel. And they, be, they that's actually the beginning of the Carmelite order as we know it. So the spiritual founder is, is um, Elijah founder is Elijah and these laymen then were the um, I guess the approximate the immediate founder of the Carmelite order and then Saint Teresa and Saint John of the Cross a couple centuries later they gave a big old washing to it and the discalced Carmelites came out of that and um, so we're Carmelite sisters and there aren't too many like us we are not nuns we are not cloistered uh, we have the Carmelite spirit. We live the monastic rule as best we can, but we're nurses and teachers and we give retreats and all the stuff in between. So our, our particular charism, um, the first part comes from the prophet Elijah, who said that he stood in the presence of the living God. So that's the first part. We stand in the presence of the living God. We could do a whole program on that, how to clean up our interior life, our, 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 the way we act, the way we are, what we think about, what we do, so that we're actually standing in the presence of God, right? Yeah. So that's first part. And then with Our Lady, because we're a Marian group, there's a tradition that says that um, Nazareth was not too far from Mount Carmel. And that the Holy Family, this is a tradition now in the Carmelite order, they used to walk, they'd have a big, um, they'd have an outing, <laughs> Jesus, Mary and Joseph would have a little outing, they go to Mount Carmel, and there they would, um, 
they would meet the, um, I think that was the Essenes is what we'd call them at this point in history, who were hermits there, lived a penitential life, had prophecy and all that. So um, we're the first, we think of ourselves as the first Marian group <laughs> because it goes already back to Our Lady. Interestingly enough, I read in a big fat, very thick book when I was younger, a big, I mean, the thick book on Carmel, where it said that um, it was so interesting to me that so many people call Mary our mother, our lady, our mother Mary. But the Carmelites, at least in the beginning, called her their sister because they got to know her originally as like a, a, a blood sister. So I found that very interesting in the very first chapel in the world to Our Lady, in the same book I found out, was uh, the chapel to St. Mary right there on Mount Carmel. So fast forwarding to us, well, we stand in the presence of the living God, number one, that's prayer, all of that, huh? and with Mary, that's the Marian tradition, make known the love of the sacred heart of Jesus today in our culture. That's wonderful. I think it is wonderful. And I think that's exactly what our culture needs. What I'm, what I'm, uh, what I focus on when I, when I read the title of the book that we're discussing here today, Unleashing Hope. Okay. The, the biography of Venerable Maria Luisa Josefa, the Blessed Sacrament, because a lot of people's sister, I think nowadays there's a there's a lot of hopelessness out there. I think that's one of the main reasons why our culture is as mm -hmm. as degraded as as it has over time. People are not there's there there's no hope because they don't stand in the presence of the living God. Now we are all sinners, every one of us. Okay, so we don't judge other people. Okay, uh, in in that way, but we do stand before the living God when you go to mass. You are in the presence of the living God in the Eucharist. Okay, let's let's talk about um, hope. Let's talk about who is Venerable Maria Luisa Josefa and what inspired you to write about her because she's the one who's unleashing hope. So, go okay. ahead, sister, have at All it. All right. Well, being Irish, if you want me to stop, just go like this or something because I can I can really get into it. So, let's I'm going to give you. <laughs> All right. So, in fact, sister Joe and I have decided that this is going to be the easiest interview we ever did. We're just going to shut up and let you talk for 50 minutes. <laughs> I, oh my God. I, we have to tell that to the sisters, you know. That's, <laughs> that's one for our official chronicle. <laughs> well, for your, for your listeners and your viewers, um, I call these two, I listen to some of their programs, the dynamic duo. Yeah. And I hear that we're going to go into the breach. And we're I thought of try. starting. <laughs> I, I thought of saying, take me into the breach. <laughs> you know? So, so um, okay. So I, I got to go back a little bit to talk about our foundress, which is, um, and we call her mother Luisita from Mexico. Ita's that little affectionate diminutive that we use. So, um, you know, Mexico had a very high culture, very, very high culture, be even before the United States, because they were established before. And what had happened in in way back in like um, 15, early 1500s, is the Spanish conquerors, conquerors, this is the word we're going to, and it's going to link up to hope. That's the original question. <laughs> I got to go back to that. <laughs> going to link up to hope. The Spanish conquerors came in school. I remember learning about Hernando Cortez mm -hmm. and the, uh, he came over and conquered Mexico. With him, he brought Franciscan priests, 
And thus we have the Franciscans in Mexico and coming all the way up to our missions, right here in California and Arizona, Joe. So concising it all now for 400 years from that 1500 or 300 years until the 1800s when our mother foundress was born, um, something had happened which was not good. What happened was the, the king in Spain had said that people that conquered when they originally came could have the land. That's This is the important thing, could have any land they want. And there was a very a, a land grant that the king gave called an encomienda. <laughs> I hope my Spanish is good enough there. And so they were free to just give this land to anybody and subjugate the native people right? Subjugate the native people. For 400 years, 300 years, I'm not good at math, until the 1800s, late 1800s, these same people were subjugated generation after generation after generation with no hope of bettering themselves. Fast forwarding to, um, and, and the system of the rich, 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 and the very, very poor, and nobody really in the middle, right? So our mother foundress, uh, Luisita, was born in Mexico in an like an agricultural breadbasket of Mexico. It's about 60 miles um, I, uh, from um, Guadalajara, Mexico, in the state of Jalisco. And her father, I read in a book, so if, if the book is correct, <laughs> that book said that her father had descended from the original people who had been given the land grant. So generation after generation, they were the, like the lords of the manor, they're called um, hacendados in Spanish, and they ran haciendas. And this, he had all these ranches, all this produce, every ranch had a different product, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She grew up in privilege, she grew up in wealth. But she had eyes and she saw the results of all those hundreds of years where so many people, you have to hear this because when the Vatican came and researched this, this is one of the things they noticed that in that time, these dear people had no education, zero, no health care, zero, no religious instruction, another zero no social services at all. So getting into that cultural milieu of the late 1800s and the early 1900s, there were several different religious communities that sprang up under the impulse of the Holy Spirit to reach out to these people that were so diminished and without hope. One of these was our mother foundress. So I'm not going into the rest of her story, which is, I mean, she was married, she was widowed, all of that. But um, I'll get to it later because it's important. But I'm just saying now about the hope. So what happened was she started working for them. Even when she married, her husband was a doctor, twice her age. <laughs> and they... They, they started a hospital with the town, with the local parish, 
and the local pastor. We started as the Vincent de Paul Society <laughs> in the local parish under the local pastor. And um, the first pictures of, of us, some of them, are with St. Vincent de Paul around a statue, you know. So the townspeople um, that that were, had means, you know, they all came together and one donated a house. It became a hospital, a house. Um, our mother founders' husband, he died after 14 years of marriage. She became a widow and founded us. But I said I wasn't going to say that, but it sort of fits in here. So here it goes. He, um, he had a brother that was a pharmacist, so he would give free medicine. And the ladies of the town learned to be nurses. Mother Luisita sort of learned. They were all, they were not nurses, but they learned. And they all ministered to these people. Well, that's how we started. But moving forward real quick in the story, um, there was a revolution. The revolution was from 1910 to 1917. It lingered all the way to 1920. It was horrible, horrible. Catholics for the nuns, it was really, I, I mean, I, I'd like to do a little bit about that more later. Mm -hmm. And then after that was finished, in the 1920s came what we know now as the Cristiada, which was the Cristero War. And in the state of Jalisco, which was one of the hardest hit really and suffered the most because there were so many hacendados. By the way, our mother Luisita's papa and that family was a very Catholic family. They were beautifully, um, just beautiful people, really. He um, he did not fit the mold of many of the other ones, you know, that were in charge of so much. Okay, so what I want to say is during the Cristo War that was in Mexico, in the state of Jalisco, because it sprang up in different places, right? So in Mexico, it started sort of in her backyard at the same time our sisters were, were becoming Carmelites. So our first years were very, very traumatic, very traumatic um, because our mother Luisita had come from a, a family with wealth, much wealth. The authorities were after her. They wanted her and they wanted her money. Hmm? Sister, let me... Uh let, let, let me ask a question. Let me interject real quick. We're talking that's right. Anytime, I'll go on. <laughs> no, no, no. That's all right. But let me just, uh, for any of you just joining us there at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, we are, we have a very honored to have Sister Timothy Marie Kennedy. We're discussing her new book, uh, Unleashing Hope, the biography of Venerable Maria Luisa, Maria Luisa Josefa of the Most Blessed Sacrament. What exactly, Sister, I have a question. All right. Um, many people that are listening to us right now, they know about the 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 uh, the Cristero War, okay, um, the persecution of Catholics. But I want to just piggyback on something you you said to ask another question. If 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 supposedly those those who would do the persecuting, okay, are railing against these these um, the, the these landowners, these large landowners. Again, my That's larger exactly. question is why the church? Like they, we saw it in the French Revolution. OK, in other words, if your problem is with, let's say, the systems that are in place, then how is it that, let's say, if somebody like Plutarch Caius pivots to the church, that the church that needs to be subjugated? Yeah. I, I, I want you to focus on that because that's one of the challenges, obviously, that, that Mother Luisita had to, to face. OK, yeah, and we do today, too. Yeah, so we do today, too. 
Uh, right, no, so- and we could get we could get into that too. Our current culture war, but why the church specifically? You're talking mm-hmm. about nursing and educating the same the, the people, okay, who have not been given opportunities for hundreds of years. Why the necessity of this particular regime at the time under Plutarchias to focus on the church and the persecution of the church? So if, I'm sorry for the interruption, sister, but I just no, had it's to no interruption. Skipped it. That's the historical. Um, remember, I told you that it was in 1521 that the Spanish conquerors and Spanish conquistadores, the conquerors came across. Well, they installed Spaniards, and the Franciscans came. So the Franciscans introduced the Catholic religion. Our Lady Guadalupe appeared ten years after that. Just mm-hmm. 10 years, right? Okay. So during the hundreds of years uh, between 1521 and 1866, I can't even tell you how many hundred that is. That's how bad I am in math. <laughs> um, um, the, all those hundreds of years, some of the governors, Spanish governors, were humane, beautiful, etc. Some of the, a lot of the uh, bishops, bishops, Catholic bishops, Catholic priests were the same, but there were some on both sides that were not. They were not. Mm-hmm. So on the point of view, I'm, I'm putting on now the lens of the government, which is the Spanish governors, conquerors for hundreds of years. Are you with me? Yes. From their lens, here's, here's Sister Timothy, the teacher coming out. From their lens, looking at this part of history, the church had too much power. The church had too much land. Too many people were willing their estates when they died to the church. So too much land, too much power. And the people liked them liked the church most of them almost all not all but almost all the dear priests that were there so the allegiance of the people i mean in the balance between church and state gravitated to the church so it's the same old impulses let's it's the same old impulse let's say as the 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 reformation in germany or the, or the or the 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 Anglicans in in uh you know under uh, you know Henry the Eighth when he when he assumed uh, himself to be the head of the church same thing just lusting after church property just envy but also envy. go ahead yeah, sister but also just plain water <laughs> so water rights came down through the hacendados you know mm-hmm. um their land had been taken away totally that they owned and now they were all slaves what do you want to call it you know mm-hmm. serfs so all they wanted was their basic rights that's the people mm-hmm. and what the church wanted well first of all i'm no historian and i'm no expert but this is what i gleaned from what i did the church the the um the government wanted the land wanted the people wanted the power and wanted to subjugate the conquered so in 1800 and i think 21 they had the big mexican um revolution at that Mm -hmm. time 
they did. And the original constitution, this is so interesting, said the Catholic Church is the official and only religion that will be accepted in Mexico, something like that. <laughs> but then right away, about 30 years later, no, no. And then the restrictions, the restrictions, restrictions. Fast forward now to the revolution, 1910 to 1920, more or less build up and trickle out included so in the revolution the goal was to well on the part of the people now to get rid of the um uh, president who'd been a president for 30 35 years more or less and he was getting older and he and they they wanted to oust him right but also they wanted their land. They wanted their water rights. They wanted education, basic human, human needs, Joe. Mm -hmm. So yes to everything you said, but on the deeper level, when basic human injustice happens, I say it like this way in the book, it's like a trickling faucet drip 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 can you sleep <laughs> drip and one day enough you know you call the mm -hmm. plumber or you rip the thing apart or turn it off i don't know <laughs> so that's sister the revolution marie, sister timothy marie kennedy here is uh, is joining us here at the front line with joe and joe we are discussing unleashing hope the biography of venerable Maria Luisa Josefa, the most blessed sacrament. Let's keep it moving, sister. We got a couple minutes before the break. Joe Racinello. Uh, sister, you talked about how Mother Luisita had a heart for the poor. I have found that most saints, when you read, I've read a whole big book like you uh, on the saints, and it was a common thread. They all have a heart for the poor, whether they were super smart, like St. Augustine, or super simple, like Joseph Cupertino. Um, they all love the poor, and she did, and that began before she was religious. Um, talk about that, because I'm sure that that's at the heart of what you guys do today. Jesus said, the poor you always have with you. And he said, whatever you do to one of these, the least of my, my brothers, you have done to me. I think that, I mean... Is it the natural law, maybe, inside the heart of most people? Just natural law, not even religious. Our heart goes out to people that, are, that have injustice, you know? That's a basic premise of my life. My heart goes out to them. Do I always help them? No, maybe not. I'm very selfish, too. <laughs> So to answer your question, I think the Holy Spirit now within the hearts of Catholics, Christians, baptized Christians, uh, works within the soul to, you know how the Holy Spirit prays in groanings beyond our speech? We times, sometimes I think can feel the burden of God that we human beings can be so selfish and, you know, self-centered and, and all that. 
But in, in Mother Luisita's case, in her time, in her place, like you're saying, all over the world, her whole parish came together. And she was elected the president of the Vincent de Paul Society. What The trigger for that, in her case, was um, there was a woman that was found on a in the nearby uh, foothills and she was almost dead on the ground and these muleteers were bringing a mule train down in the 1800s and they found this lady put her across a mule took her to the little town where mother luisita lived there was no place for her no place so they put her in the jail and then some of the people in the town came to see this and I think I feel the Holy Spirit used this because that's how the St. Vincent de Paul Society started. And that's how that morphed in time into the Carmelite Sisters because Sister, women joined it. her. Let's leave it there for a second. We do have to take a break. It's a great conversation, uh, and we love having it with you, Sister Timothy Marie Kennedy. We're discussing Unleashing Hope, the biography of Venerable Maria Luisa Josefa of the Most Blessed Sacrament, which is available at Sophia Press. We're going to continue the conversation, so stick around. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas, Tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. We are way, way in the breach with Sister Timothy Marie Kennedy. We're discussing her new book, um, Unleashing Hope, the biography of Venerable Maria Luisa Josefa, the Most Blessed Sacrament. You know what it is, Sister, that Joe and I think? Um, and I think this is demonstrable. Let's stay on the poor for a second, okay? Um, the poor are useful to too many people. Rather than, rather than trying to actually have a society where you can help the poor not to be poor any longer, it's one thing people can't help themselves. Of course, we, we, we are tasked with that obligation to feed them, okay? Um, I like to break it to a lot of people out there. Uh, Jesus kind of made that really clear. Um, but we don't, I believe firmly, we don't develop any real systems to bring the, the poor out of poverty, you know, even if it's a couple of generations, okay? Because it's useful to too many people. People use the poor, you know, the left uses the poor, um, in other words, for political gain. Uh, in America, the right uses the poor uh, for cheap labor. Nobody, there's a lot of people that have a, a, a vested interest in people poor. Um, just a quick comment from you, and we'll continue the conversation about Mother Luisita. But am I wrong, my sister? Here in California, they're they're uncovering lots of sweatshops. In in the same, I live in the San Gabriel Valley. They raid them, and there they are. You know, the people, just just like you read read about a long time ago. So yes, to using the poor. Yeah, and and it seems it seems you know and 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 as Catholics we need we have the proper view of the poor um, and what and how we're supposed to treat the poor both now and and try to help them out of poverty. Um, but it seems it seems sister no one wants to listen to us Catholics. <laughs> I, I think maybe the world would be a much better place if they would listen to the Catholic Church. Well, sister, to to add to that point, that's a sin that cries to God for vengeance. I mean, when we take advantage of people. And I think to Joe's point, you know, Catholics, we could all do a better job 
at helping others and sharing. Um, you said, though, that that event, it, it reminded me of the Good Samaritan, how uh, the, the person on the other side of the break um, triggered her to start potentially the order. Take it from there. And how did the order begin from that point on? Oh, it was obstacle after obstacle after obstacle for her. And each time she just over again. So I thought of naming the book, picking up the pieces again. <laughs> so um, um, she wanted to be in her husband, right? That inner working of the Holy Spirit wanted her was urging her to something that she didn't know what it was. She wanted to be a cloistered contemplative Carmelite nun, right? So she entered with them. They were in Guadalajara, and um, they had been dispersed during the revolution. Oh, well, some that there. So she only lasted months. The reason that she lasted only three months was that the bishop, Archbishop, wanted her to come back to help out at the little hospital that her husband had started. She's a good administrator, I guess, you know, come back. The people in the little town, a little delegation went to the Archbishop, bring her back. As for her part, she was in that cloistered convent monastery. She loved the contemplative school that had been within her since birth. Loved, you see, she was very, very close to God in the deepest part of her soul, right? That's Carmelite. It's for all of us. But we we usually say, let's go deeper. But here it is, you two, you're telling me to go deeper. It's really interesting. It's a <laughs> reversal. All right, I'll go deeper. So, see the end. Which question am I answering? I got off. Well, basically, how the order began. Yeah. So, there, right. That's where I am. She was there three months. But during the three months, she had a, I guess we could call it a spiritual experience. And when she would pray sometimes, um, a, these uh, thoughts or whatever you want to call them, pictures, images, some call them visions, you know. Carmelites are very like this with visions, you know. Maybe, maybe. But thoughts, impressions. And once it was children back in her hometown saying, come back to us. Your soul is saved. What about ours? So that really made her think. And she had two or three more of those experiences. She spoke to the archbishop. She spoke to the local pastor. Mutual decision, and after a retreat, just to discern, she left the beautiful monastery that she liked so much. However, she brought back the Carmelite spirituality it learned, right? And the hospital, little hospital, really needed her help. It had fallen apart. It was pretty bad, I hear. So more women came to join her again. And then more women came to join her. And more women. 
So the point is he was going up there. Year left the convent, the monastery in Guadalajara. The says, right, locally here in this parish, I want your women. There were five at, at that first time. I want you to come and we'll make promises to God for a year to the poor. Sister, you know, there's there's a lot there um, that I'd like to talk about. Uh, basically. You know, she was a wealthy woman who gave up everything. That can't be understated. I mean, like, like you know, to give up everything, especially if you're wealthy, is an immense step. But she did. And then she had a call within a call. You said she loved the monastery. You see, that's also taking a further step into the unknown. And I think, and this is my own small experience with that is when you do that god always honors it i believe that i believe that as a church and as a catholic people we're too afraid to do that we don't take christ at his word enough but when we do god honors that and i'll share a little story like that there's a woman i know she's an older filipino woman her husband left her with seven kids she was smart she was a pharmacist she had to raise seven kids on her own all her kids were educated for free all her kids have fancy jobs they went to georgetown regis high school in manhattan god provided She's faithful. To this day, I see this woman. She's old. She stands in front of a statue of the Blessed Mother at a church. Early morning, I've seen it more times without her knowing me seeing her driving past. God honors us. She honored your foundress. Um, talk about divine providence, because that's what that is. Yeah, she's she actually known the sisters in Mexico. Um Carmelitas del Sagrado Corazón, they're our sister community there. We became the Carmelite sisters in the United States of Los Angeles. Um, but those that actually lived through the persecution, that's the part that they emphasize when they talk about her because there was no food. Um, they were walled in because the soldiers were not good to women. That's why she came to the United States to kind of have a, a, a safe place, safe house for sisters if we if they needed it. So um, all of these things that happened, she was able to give them hope, but that hope, and I, I get this toward the end of the book, so you're, you're right on target. Her hope was in God and his providence, and he never let her down, never, never. Well, speaking of hope, the book is Unleashing Hope, um, and this is written by Sister Timothy Marie Kennedy, Unleashing Hope, the biography of Venerable Maria Luisa Josefa, the Most Blessed Sacrament. That's available at Sophia Press, so we encourage you all to go out and buy it. I want to stay, I want to stay there for a second, Sister. Um, we put our hope in material things. Yeah, let's keep it with America for a second, okay? Okay. It seems that it seems like we we put everything we have into into our possessions and people don't i think people don't understand and i think this is exactly what christ was talking about is that we don't own the possessions th that we think we do those possessions own us okay and we honestly can only be owned by one person or or or, or, or god three persons you know one divine essence okay father son and holy spirit is the only thing we can be owned by 
Now in America, it seems like what you're talking about with with, with Mother Luisita is this this immense capacity um, and grace from God to sacrifice, to be obedient to God's will. Okay, uh, to do the things that in her heart, as a Roman Catholic, she knew she had to do. Okay, talk about. I, I guess we don't want to get you too much trouble, sister. We promise we won't. Um, but talk about how that's no problem in our society, in our culture, is that we don't have that self-sacrificing spirit. Now, we're not perfect at it, you, Joe, and myself. We're not perfect. We stand ideal and something we strive to do to say, no, I'm not going to do that thing, or I'm not going to buy that thing. I'm much more, I don't want to be distracted by that. I want to focus here and what he wants me to do. Talk a little bit, in your opinion, maybe you disagree with me, uh, but talk a little bit about that being, a, I think, a more fundamental problem in what's going on right now in America, both in our, our politics and in our culture. Am I off, sister, in my assessment? Boy, you, you guys give loaded questions. Whoa, I have <laughs> we, to think We try, here. we try. <laughs> All right, so... Um... I agree. <laughs> um, the first demands that came from England, um, they wanted their basic rights. They wanted to practice religion. And they came and settled our land. It's very true that they did not always behave. They were not perfect people. Absolutely not. But they wanted something more than possessions. They wanted God. That's why they're called the Pilgrims, you know, and the Pilgrims and the Quakers. And, um, well, you know, um, Maryland. <laughs> Catholics went there. Um, I found out recently that I have a relative myself who settled in the first Jamestown colony and um, was one of the first people in the U.S. of A. to go to the, he was the first Continental Congress in the United States uh, in Virginia. And um, he, um, he, uh, he was very strong in politics. I think that's probably why in my family and in, in my own personal self, I sort of really understand the importance of really going deeper into our culture. Um, I teach teenagers and the light of hope has gone out of their eyes, but they sure have a lot of material things, some of them. I've, I've taught very wealthy kids and, and these beautiful, beautiful people never see their mother or father, you know, they're alone. And something very important, I, I'm not, and I'm not judging parents. No, who knows what they are in charge of and what they need to do. But I'm just saying I see children that have missed out somehow on some kind of basic nurturing due to an absence. That's all, you know. Mm -hmm. That's that's just amazing. Um, and you see, my own personal mission, personal is that I want to remind people that they have a spiritual soul, S-O-U-L, not the two ones on the bottom of the feet, but the one inside. And then 
according to Thomas Aquinas, that great mind, how that soul is really the center, the hub of our thinking, of our willing, of our loving, huh? and how Carmelite spirituality brings people into an intimate, close, beautiful, unrepeatable relationship with God who dwells in the soul. You Thank see, you for that, sister. Oh, go they ahead. don't know that. I'm hitting. You're going to hear that. I'm sorry. Here that's I go. A, I'm holding out of the chair to keep my hands here. <laughs> no, that's true. So, People. And, and when I teach, I'll tell you, I'm going to share something. It's about the Eucharist. I taught sacraments and spirituality at a Catholic high school for several years. The students were 11th graders. They were regular kids. They didn't get it that Jesus was in the Blessed Sacrament. They just didn't get it. I mean, truly there himself. So I, I did what I thought was a good lesson plan, and it took me a lot of time to do it. And in that lesson plan, I did not talk during the 50-minute period. Mm -mm. I found a very good, uh, I found some things, some tapes, you know, CDs, and and I just got a little excerpt, a little excerpt, a little excerpt, a little excerpt. And then I wrote on the board, I really don't remember exactly what it was, but probably it was from the Catechism of the Church, something about Jesus Christ is present 100% in the Blessed Sacrament. It is, big is, underline Jesus. And then I said, we're going to pray today. We're just going to look at that. And while we look at that, we're going to listen to music on the Eucharist, some history of the Eucharist. It took up all the time. The next day, one of those beautiful young men came to me and said, Sister, hey, sis, they call me, sis, got to ask you a question before class. Yeah, what is it? Tell me. You mean to say Jesus is really present in the Blessed Sacrament? Bingo. He'd gone to Catholic school, was baptized. You know, he yeah. did not know. He did not know. All right. So we have to go back to square one. Um, I call you the dynamic duo. I hope you don't mind. Nah, dynamic we don't duo. Mind, dynamic we don't mind. duo. Just Mr. Duo. Timothy Marie Kennedy joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Resinello. Uh, we're discussing Sister's new book, Unleashing Hope, the biography of Venerable Maria Luisa Josefa, the most blessed sacrament that's available at Sophia Press. Joe Resinello. Sister, hope sees past hardship. I think that's when you have faith and hope because life, no matter who you are or what you do, you'll create, you know, there's obstacles. And she saw past hardship. I know in the book, she encountered like she would build things it would get ripped down she would see past that she would go on she would go on um that's what we have to do talk a little bit about that because i think to your point people don't have hope they look at what's in front of them um and frankly they give up and we can't give up and christ is our hope and when you have that at the root of your life you will never give up Talk about how that impacted her and how she inspired people, because frankly, sister, I think the world needs that inspiration. 
Yeah, my beautiful dad, he lived through the depression and he called me up one day. I was already a nun and a sister and he said, this country needs a depression. Bring us back to our knees. Is the culture, John Paul II used to say, as you know, the a culture of death. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of statistics with the, the, the teens that I, I've worked with so many times. Suicide. Suicide. Yeah. You look in their eyes and the light of hope has gone out. Uh, a dear sister told me, I keep it real anonymous. She went to a, a funeral and she met some of the children or grandchildren of the of the deceased. I really honestly don't remember who it was. She said she didn't like looking at their faces. They were blank. 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 They were all Catholic. I'm not sure what she meant by the blank, but I think it's related to what you're saying. The hope, the, the spark. You know, God comes in a gentle breeze. And um, talking about entering the convent, I had to learn to be quiet. My mother said I wouldn't last a week. So by God's grace, here I am. It's been years, but I had to learn to be quiet. And that was tough. Um, people don't know how to be quiet. The noise itself keeps us from God, actually. And it, the quick pace of life today doesn't allow us time to look within. Know you not that you are God's temple and that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now that's huge. Hmm? Yeah. Now in Carmelite spirituality, I'm just gonna go into the breach a little here. <laughs> I wanna mm. tell you something. I want to tell you that when I wrote one one of the books, which was the first ones, this is her letters, and I just helped edit them. They were Spanish, translated. I didn't translate, but I fixed the English. It took a long time, 600 letters. And the preface to that book I wrote, you know, Carmelite spirituality teaches us how to go within, how to learn to quiet ourselves exteriorly and interiorly. And Christ has called himself, and this is for all people, um, the bridegroom of the soul. It's an analogy. The soul is like a bride. Christ is like a bridegroom. I say both sexes, you know, both sexes, you know. And um, he wants to have an intimate relationship with us. It's a spiritual mystical thing in the soul, right? And people that have ecstasies and raptures and all these beautiful higher experiences have come to a deep relationship with God. Well, I'm just saying that Carmelite spirituality, in my opinion, and we not being cloistered where it's in the cloister, which I, I, I would love to be there, actually. It would be a beautiful life, um, solely for God, totally for God. But we're taking that spirituality and bringing it out to the people of today that don't even know they have a soul. 
And so I like to say, and I, there's not too many places I say it, but I'll say it here with Joe and Joe, that Christ, the Carmelite spirituality teaches how to prepare our soul for Christ, who like a bridegroom is coming soon. So focusing on the soon, just a question, is time kind of beginning to run out? There it is. There's the breach. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 the breach. All right, Joe Resinello, we probably have time for one more question, so I'm going to hand it over to you. What's going on with the cause for Mother Luisita? Any miracles? I know that there's... Yeah, we have a potential miracle. Could you tell us about yeah. it? A, 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 a young teenage girl, she couldn't walk. Now she walks. That's outstanding. You see, I think that's what grabs people. You know, like like... Sadly, people see what they, you know, they believe what they see. And all of our saints, most of them have two miracles. That's real deal. Um, and to be truthful with you, God works through saints. Uh, sister, I always say it, only saints change the world. We got to keep striving. That's actually right. And I, I very interestingly, and this is, this is coming organically from the people of God. So we get these letters of thank you for favors or graces through the intercession of our mother, Luisita. And she and her husband could not have children, if you remember, I mentioned that earlier. Yes. yes. Well, there's a lot of couples that really want children. Praise God, right? <laughs> and they can't. And the doctors say you can't. And our mother, Luisita, she's prayed for them and they've gotten their baby. <laughs> and then a second one or more. So she seems to have a heart for couples that really want to have children. That's beautiful. That's that is very, that's very beautiful. Um, so sister, um, just briefly, like you we're talking about, you know, mother Luisita, we're talking about now, this is, there's obviously a cause I'm, I'm sure for her sainthood, she's currently venerable. Okay. Right. But this idea, just give a finer, just put a, a, a finer point on it for our audience, uh, to maybe help to persuade people out there to look at those saints, look at Mother Luisita, go out and buy the book and read about Mother Luisita, okay, written by Sister Timothy Marie Kennedy, who's joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, and talk a little bit about, the, the as Catholics, if you're having, let's say, I don't know, if you're questioning whether or not you have the capacity to, to throw off your garments as St. Francis of Assisi did, mm. okay, or, or to at one point to give yourself over to God as St. Augustine did, or to do what Mother Luisita did, which is to not take her, her family's wealth and to, and, to, and, to, and to move closer to God. Talk about how that could be. I think, me personally, when you talk about all the solutions to people try to figure out political solutions and all these different things in our culture, I think start there because that's what's going to give you the significant leap up that you need to fight all those other battles. But to start, build that as your fundamental building block. You got a couple minutes, sister, with that one. Ooh. Well, let me let me just think on that a minute. So, all right. Um, I really don't know how to answer this one, Joe. Um, uh, uh, we are it, not, let me ask you this. Does we are not made for these material things. We are not made for these material things. We have a soul, and it is made for God. And it's the only thing that will satisfy us. 
And that's why Jesus really is the answer, you know? Mm -hmm. Is that too simplistic? No, no but that's no, right. No, that's <laughs> it's, it, it's know what it is, sim mm -hmm. sister? The, uh, and again, because a lot of people confuse the two words. What you just said is simple, but it's not simplistic, okay? In other words, where simplistic might be just, it's, it's simple. It's what means it's it's true, but it's staring you in the face. There's no need to expound on it much more than that. The key to I think Joe and I say it on the show all the time. The key, albeit it's it's done with difficulty and we fail a lot of times. The key is to is to ask God to give you that grace and then you could give that grace away to others who yeah, need it. But exactly. you have to receive it first. But you at least have to start, begin to empty yourself of the things that we're told that we absolutely need. Sister, we have to leave it there. I want you to just let our audience know one more time the title of the book, where they could buy it, uh, and anything else you might want to impart. Unleashing Hope by Sophia Press. I have a second book, which is really the first one I wrote, is um, In the Face of Darkness. Maybe someday we'll talk about that one. That would be great. It's, it's also Mother Luisita. And... Um, we're the Carmelite Sisters, a Carmelite Sisters, OCD.com, and the OCD does not talk, is not for obsessive compulsive disorder. <laughs> it's for Order of Carmelites uh, Descalzas, Carmelite Sisters Descalced. Mr. <laughs> Timothy Marie Kennedy, thank you so much for joining us here at the front line. With Quite Joe a Joe. pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And thank you all out there for joining us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. We would always encourage you to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. And please share it with your friends and your family. Um, and wherever you see Joe and I on social media, primarily at the Frontline TV, the Frontline TV on YouTube, help us out. Like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.